All right, welcome everyone to another episode of The Fix. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein. Appreciate you once again for tuning in. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, literally anywhere podcasts are available, you can find The Fix with myself. Appreciate it. We have another great episode for you. I say it every time, and I'm going to continue to say it on this episode of The Fix. I have a good friend of mine, former co-worker, still involved with 97.3, Jeff Mosher from Inside the Birds with Adam Kaplan, longtime Eagles reporter, Eagles insider. I bring him on because we got to talk about Jalen Hurts, the Eagles draft, what he thinks of the wide receiver position now as a whole, what he thinks of the secondary as a whole, all that and much more with Jeff. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Jeff Mosher NFL. Subscribe to Inside the Birds on YouTube, their website, and also on Apple, Spotify, everywhere else you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's bring in Jeff and talk some birds. Here we go. The legend. If you need Eagles inside info, don't go to Jeff. Go to Adam Kaplan. All right. But <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Adam was busy, so I had to get Mosher on with me. And uh, nah, Mosher, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, I know you're busy. You covered the drafts, but now the dust has, well, if, I guess the dust has settled a little bit, but it seems like despite everything and the craziness, there's still new stories going on. And as I touched on uh, leading you in there, we are going to get into some Jason Peters news and notes, but mm-hmm. the Jalen Hurts and the draft is, is the main story, but how you been, man? Everything good? I've been good. I've been good. I was, uh, I'm grateful and appreciative just like yourself to the NFL for going through with everything that they normally go through in the off season, because it's given us uh, a chance to produce a lot of great content. And of course we, we thank the Philadelphia Eagles for making controversial decisions that help us continue <laughs> to churn out great content. No, but cause an interest is high, man. I mean, I, I think, you're right. The dust never really settles. It just kind of blows around for a while because people are really into this stuff. It's, um, I mean, as you and I know, and you know better or as well as anyone, that the Eagles content, like you said, is always number one. But right now with everyone stuck inside and the draft fortunately being able to take place, it's like the the microscope, Jeff, is, I think, bigger than ever. Yeah, definitely. And I, I had concerns going into the draft, not like – real concerns compared to what's going on but just like selfishly where would this thing go after the draft right because now there's no mini camps uh, there may not be a training camp there's not going to be a real like um, paralysis by analysis of NFL p- uh, draft picks like there was all throughout February March and April so hopefully and I th- I mean I don't think it, I, th- I don't think the interest is just going to die but uh, hopefully that you know people like you and me continue to put out content and it it gets absorbed and we get things to give us fresh ideas exactly so let's get into some of that content and the nfl draft was uh just a week ago we're recording on friday may 1st so about seven eight days ago for us if you're listening in a few days from now you get the drift and the second over the second round pick number 53 that's the story and that's what i'm going to start with you unfortunately for jalen rager he's not going to be our first topic here but that Hmm. will come Jalen Hurts, 53 overall, Jeff Mosher's initial reaction, and if that's changed, how do you feel now? 
No, I was very shocked. I was stunned. Um, I mean, for, for those who listen to Inside the Birds, our podcast, or check out our, our work on InsideTheBirds.com, uh, they were, those listeners and people who follow knew that we knew how the organization felt about Jill and Rager. And we knew about the organization's emphasis on getting faster, more dynamic all across the, uh, the roster, not just at wide receiver, but at linebacker and whatever position they were going to draft. And that's what they did. But the one thing that I don't think anybody saw coming was them taking Jalen Hurts at 53 overall. I was very surprised. And uh, I always try to do this, Ryan. Like, whether I agree or disagree with something, I try to listen to what the organization says. I try to listen to what people outside the organization say to get an objective viewpoint from them, try to just use my own instincts as a reporter for, you know, 15, 16 years now and, and process it. I I've heard rash. I've heard rationalizations for why people think it's a good pick. I've heard rationalizations for why people think it's a bad pick in my, my viewpoint. And I've kind of done the pros and cons as well. I think there's just more cons than pros as an approach. Now the kid could wind up being amazing. And of course, if he's amazing or if he wins a bunch of uh, like a, in a backup role in two or three years and wins a bunch of games and, and playoff games, Super Bowl, something like that, then obviously that one pro might outweigh every single con that you came up with. But yeah. just from an approach standpoint, I didn't think it was the best approach to take that high in the draft. There's a lot there and there's a lot of different ways I want to go with you with this, but I, I, I'll start here. Does that pick – change your perception on the Eagles mindset with Carson Wentz or their direction as a whole? Does that question make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. It, it certainly makes you wonder why they actually made the pick because their messaging, I think sucks. It always sucks to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, the messaging is we just really value quarterbacks and that what a great weapon we can have while we develop him. And that, you know, we'll see what happens in the future. We've really lucked out on these kind of things before, I guess. I mean, they're, they're really seizing on like one or two examples and kind of painting themselves as some, I believe the word they used was quarterback factory. Yeah, they're, um, they're quarterback developers now. Yeah, quarterback developers. I, I would, uh, I think that's just an interesting way to look at it based on cherry picking a few examples of things that they've done well. For example, I, nobody would call them wide receiver developers because you think of Jay John, you think of some of their other picks, but I would say, what about Deshaun Jackson and uh, Jeremy Macklin? Those guys worked out. Mike Quick worked out. Are they now wide receiver developers? Because throughout their history, you can cherry pick two or three guys that really did a good job. So I, I don't like their messaging on it. And I would say that I'm confused as to whether they think he's just a guy that they can develop or if they accelerated a, the expiration date on Carson Wentz and you can understand a little bit if they did but that's not mm -hmm. how they framed it they've talked about their marriage with Carson Wentz and they love Carson Wentz and you know he they gave him a lot of money and they're trying to support him with lots of weapons so you can't really go to the Eagles to try to figure out what their intentions are on this so you and I work together for probably a year on the air almost every day and I, I think you know how I would read into some things and try and like assess it like try and find something that it wasn't talked about or wasn't there and i'm gonna do that here like i i look at this and i say 
maybe the Eagles went the Jalen Hurts direction with his style of play and his skill set because they're able to pitch. Well, we're gonna we're gonna use him in the Taysom Hill role this year. Like like relax, everybody, relax. He's not he's not replacing Carson. He's not the next guy. We we value his skills, and Carson's still our guy. Like they're able to pitch us on. It's not a it's not a replacement. It's not a you know tip of the hand of how they feel about Carson. Yeah, well that that kind of goes back to being a bad sell, right? I mean, yeah. if that's if they feel like we can sell the Eagles fans on the fact that we're going to use them like Taysom Hill. And they think that all the Eagles fans are in love with Taysom Hill just because Taysom Hill is, you know, somebody who's an exciting player in your league. Nobody was expecting it. So I don't, I don't think that's good enough. First of all, the, the comparisons themselves are very shoddy. You know, Taysom Hill, Hill ran a 4-4. Jalen Hurts ran a 4-6. Taysom Hill returns kicks and punts and plays special teams. Jalen Hill, Jalen Hurts is not returning any kicks or punts. So, and is not nearly as an explosive of a player. Uh, so, and Taysom Hill kind of, I think the Saints get away from it, get away with it because they know that Drew Brees' days are coming to an end and his arm isn't as strong as it used to be. Not that he was ever, you know, Dan Marino, but he, he, could, he doesn't put the ball down the field as well as he used to. You could tell by their offense. It's very think and dunk. So, Taysom Hill gives you that extra spark. Carson Wentz has no problem trying to throw the ball down the field. It's just the guys catching it on the other end. That's been the issue. So I just don't think it's a really good way to kind of pull it over on a fan base that was just begging this franchise to finally address like safety or linebacker, a uh, young cornerback, maybe even a pass rusher. And yeah, it's listen, you're right. And you and I had, I think a great discussion through text message. Uh, that leads up to our podcast now. And I want to try and resurface some of that conversation because mm-hmm. we just straight up asked each other, what'd you think of the pick? And we disagree. And mm-hmm. my thing is I, I like the pick and some of my reasons, it was on my last episode uh, of the fix, but some of my reasons were you can get Jalen hurts on the field. Now I wasn't critical a few minutes ago. I was just critical of calling BS on the organization cell, but I do think it's a positive right. that Hertz can get on the field and be an asset right away. And if he ends up winning the team one game in November, and that's the difference for the NFC East title, that's a massive success. Like, I don't know who you're getting at that 53rd overall pick that could potentially have more of an impact. I think one of the main factors where you and I uh, differ, Jeff, is Mm -hmm. I maybe don't hold value. It sounds crazy, and I'll explain it maybe in a few minutes, but I don't hold the same value in the draft that that you do. Well, I I guess what I would say, because there's only two ways to build a team, right? There's the only ways you can put a team on, on the field to get players is by drafting them or signing them in free agency are you is your argument that you think draft picks are overrated and you might and and signing free agents is a much better course of action like i don't understand what you mean when you say yeah draft picks are not valid that valuable i i guess yeah that the when you word it like that it makes no sense at all i I guess (laughs) my point is like Uh history shows you that majority of the time if you just look at the draft as a whole that guy is mm-hmm. not going to pan out. And I view Jalen Hurts, who plays the most important position in the NFL, and the Eagles have mm-hmm. a need 
on their depth chart for a backup quarterback. His skill set at his position, I think, is a better choice to pick him there than it is to pick a, you know, a, a okay. linebacker or a wide receiver where it shows the last 10 years, 70% of players who were picked there don't pan out. That's my point. Okay. No, no, that's a, that's a much better point. What you're saying is the low odds of a second round pick panning out, you might as well pick a player at a position of extreme high value because if it works, then you really get the best of what you might pick there. And I think that's, I think that's a really fair and valid point, but I also think that's the type of almost like, what's the word? Like, like micro observation that helps justify it as opposed to looking at the bigger picture. Because if I were to say, well, if second round picks, like you're saying, Ryan, by and large, don't work out percentage wise. And you're right about that. The percentage gets to, I think lower than like 50 or lower. Once you get out of the first round on these, on the staying power of these players, then you're basically saying, well, quarterback, just like anything else, if you, if you miss, you miss, but if you hit with a quarterback, it's so much better than hitting with a, cornerback or a receiver or a, or, a, or a lineman right that's fair but how do you I would say then how are you enabling Jalen Hurts then to be the, in that small percentage of players that reach their potential and do well when he's really not getting on the field unless something happens to get him there unlike a good corner a good pass rusher a good offensive lineman or any other position where they'll have the opportunity to take that job if they just play well like not only does Jalen Hurts have to play well but he has to play well enough to and Carson Wentz has to be hurt they're not just gonna Mm -hmm. make a quarterback change unless Carson's hurt or really really struggling which even if Carson's really really struggling they're not just gonna go back right to go back to your first point Jalen Hurts is not a guy who right now is ready to go in and win games. You know, when you made that that point about like, if it's worth it, if he goes in there and win games because they need a backup, he's not even going to be the backup quarterback this year. They're going to sign a veteran. He's not ready to come in and be a a backup quarterback, especially without the camp. So now you're hoping in 2021 that maybe, and, and by the way, do you have to hope now that Carson Wentz gets hurt to validate the pick? It's a very weird dynamic for the fans to have to uh, digest. Yeah, I, I think when I say that, I'm under the assumption of drinking the organization's Kool-Aid that Jalen Hurts is going to make an impact this year in a quote-unquote Taysom Hill role. Oh, okay. So not as a backup quarterback, but as a gadget. Right. He comes in in November against the Cowboys and they do a reverse. He throws it 60 yards to DJX. That wins him the game. Something like that. Right. You know? Right. Well, that's where, again, like, and I, and I respect that viewpoint. Some, it's partly what, and I know you, like I asked you this specifically, I said, did you like this pick from the jump or did you hate it (laughs) and then rationalize yourself into it? At least you were honest. You said you liked it from the jump. But I like I we we both know my Gill at ninety seven three and he'll say, you know, what do I remember about that Eagles Saints playoff game? Is that Taysom Hill big play that really broke the back of the Eagles? And I would counter that by saying, well, that's fine. But in three Saints playoff games with Taysom Hill as used as a gadget, the Saints have never scored more than twenty three points in a game. So just because that one play came against the Eagles in a game does not mean that Taysom Hill has been some major major factor for the saints in the playoff games and in fact we know that the saints have not reached their potential for the last three years they've been bowing out way early i think they're one and two 
in those three games that I'm that I'm speaking of. Yeah, and, and that's that's a fair point, and that's where I go back and forth. Like I'm I'm able to look at both sides too and understand why it doesn't make sense. But I, I think now, with the benefit of hindsight, and I want your opinion mm-hmm. on this, but now that the draft is over, because there's certain reaction on that Friday in the second round when that pick is initially announced. And now after the fact we get the the benefit of seeing what the Eagles did in the later round. So let me just start with this. Do you like what the Eagles did in the draft from top to bottom? I like that they addressed the need Ryan. And I guess what really concerns me though, is that at some point when they start picking these players, especially on day three, right. And you're looking like this guy ran this 40, this guy ran that 40. It almost feels to me, and I don't know, I don't I haven't seen their board, so I'm just giving you my feel, not my not not what I know. Yeah. Uh, it feels to me like they had a menu or their draft board that was built on 40 times and spark scores, mm-hmm. the you know, the athlete spider charts, things like that. And I just hope, I don't know, I wonder and hope, did they so lean heavily and make such a commitment to the analytics that they almost disregarded who can just play some football too. You know, I mean, I do think the Eagles needed to get faster, but just putting a track team out there doesn't make good guys, good players. That, that day three pick, I'm sorry, the day two pick third round linebacker is an example of a pick that really scares me about their mentality. I mean, the kid played two years at Colorado. He flies around the field, right? I mean, he can, when, when when this guy takes aim and he's coming at you, he ran like a 4'4 at 225 pounds. Hmm. I, he can take aim, he can get you and knock you with all that torque and speed coming behind him. However, you know, every scout I spoke to says, well, when you watch the tape, I mean, he's such a project. It's like at the NFL level, you don't know if he's going to be able to find the ball. Like, yeah, open field, straight line speed, he can get over there and knock somebody. But in the NFL, you got to cover, you got to fill run gaps, you have to know your assignments. And the kid is far, far away from that. But And nobody uh, I spoke to said he was a third-round pick. But the Eagles, I fear, fell in love with the athleticism and that 4-4 that we talked about at that size and the speed. And, you know, we'll have to see. I never – I hate doing the whole draft grade thing because yeah. you just don't know. Once these guys get – you know, the Eagles have good coaches. I'll give them that. So they can t- – we've seen Jim Schwartz take – Cravon LeBlanc and uh, who's the Hawkins kid who played cornerback, right? We've seen him take like uh-huh. the, the guys you've never heard of and make it work. And then the same thing last year in December with the wide receiver. So these guys get into the right culture, the right system. They learn well. They can be really good players. But I'm always big on draft approach. And I, and I wonder and I worry a little bit for Eagles fans about the approach that the front office and Howie Roseman had going into this draft. That's interesting. And that's something that I, personally I haven't discussed in great detail uh we're talking with jeff mosher he does the podcast with adam kaplan inside the birds be sure to subscribe you probably already are subscribed if you're listening to this combo with me and jeff but if you haven't you need to right away follow him on twitter at jeff mosher nfl as well um and i'm sure he'll plug all the other million things he has going on in a few minutes but <laughs> i i talked about with josh on 97.3 that one of the points you just made like Justin Jefferson was on the board, for example, right? And Mm -hmm. the Eagles went and got Ortega Whiteside in the draft previously, and that's a kid from Stanford. That's a kid who put up ridiculous numbers. I think he had 14 or 15 touchdowns in his final year at Stanford, and he could could not get on the field last year. 
And now you have a guy right. in Jefferson who maybe a con that isn't fair if I'm Justin Jefferson. Well, he's a product of the greatest offense in a single season in college football history. It's not fair, but I know that that narrative was out there. And it just seems like you're right, Jeff, right. that the Eagles went the extreme opposite way. Let's get the kid from TCU. Let's get the kid who ran a 4-4. And it's like, well, I hope there's more bulk to your assessment than just that. Yeah, I hope so, too. And this is the type of argument, unlike the Hertz one, where I'm very much on one side. And even if I see your point, you're not going to get me to agree with it, right? I'm, like, <laughs> firmly entrenched on. I can definitely understand the Rager versus Jefferson argument because the Eagles really need an outside speed receiver, but they also need an inside receiver, as good, and especially one as good as Jefferson, who many people told me was, like, way, way better than Nelson Aguilar. Same usage. Mm -hmm. You're going to probably use him in the slot, but he's going to be way better and way more productive. To bottom, you know, you saw the Eagles. They could have used either or last year. Somebody catching balls from the slot didn't happen until Greg Ward finally came in. And there's no doubt in my mind Jefferson's going to be a better player than Greg Ward. But they also needed an outside wide receiver. So their decision was to go with the speed, the explosion, someone who can beat that pass coverage off the X or maybe even on the other side of the field at the Z, but somebody who can line up outside and stretch the field. If Deshaun Jackson were to get hurt again, and he's 33, then who do they – they're almost back in the same boat as last year. Yeah. So I understand the Eagles' decision, but I also feel like it's fair to say Justin Jefferson was the more experienced, the more polished, more productive receiver, and that you could have – he would have upgraded the Eagles' offense from the slot, even if that's where they envisioned him. The only question – that I think is fair on that is if they did not view him as a wide receiver who could win on the outside, then where would Justin Jefferson play when the Eagles were in their, you know, two tight end, 12 personnel package? Cause then you have a tight end in on the line, you have a tight end in the slot position and you have two outside wide receivers. And if they're in that 50 to 60% of the time, like they've been in the last two years, then where does Justin Jefferson just not come, come on the field? Cause then that's a waste of a pick. But I have a feeling like the biggest comp that I heard for Justin Jefferson was Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's a, a okay. you know a Chargers wide receiver who plays inside and outside. He doesn't have great like elusive moves, but he's always catching passes because he uses his body well, he uses his hands well. He has good enough speed, even though it's more straight line speed. So he can win occasionally on the outside, and I think Jefferson, if you put him on the outside, could learn how to win without having the separation ability on the outside that maybe a Jalen Rager has. It's interesting stuff. Uh, a couple more questions here for Jeff before I let him run the wide receiver position as a whole, Jeff, what, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts about it now? Just from top to bottom, they added in the mm -hmm. draft, as we've discussed, they have Deshaun Jackson, hopefully coming back healthy. Alshon Jeffrey is a big uh, question mark surrounding him. So what do you expect from, from this group? How's it going to look? And are you confident in it? Well, hmm, good question. It's going to look a lot different because it's all of a sudden a lot faster and to the point where all you see is speed. I mean, whether it's the two kids they drafted on day three, Hightower and Quez Watkins, or even Rager, uh, the guy they traded for, Marquise Goodwin, um, and then Deshaun, as you mentioned, coming back. That's a whole lot of speed right there. Can you imagine if hmm. Rager and Jackson, I mean, they're probably going to be healthy week one, right? That's going to be one heck of a uh, field-stretching tandem, or trio if you throw Godwin in there, yeah, or Goodwin. I, I don't see how Alshon Jeffries on the team. 
you know, I think that he's, he's obviously got to get healthy. And by the time he's healthy, which will may take longer than September or October, I feel like by that point, some other NFL team will have lost a receiver to an injury and Howie will try to look to make a trade. Now he's not going to get much, but I just have a hard time believing Alshon Jeffers is going to play for the Eagles again. We'll see, but that's where my lean is right now. And uh, let me ask you about Alshon Jeff, because Mm -hmm. sorry to cut you off, but I think that's interesting because you and I, I remember vividly you and I asking John McMullen, 97.3 Eagles insider about Alshon Jeffrey. And he was like, (laughs) you know, I'm being dramatic, but (laughs) they're Mm -hmm. not going to, they're not going to be able to get rid of Alshon Jeffrey's contract. He's injured. They're paying him a boatload of money. That's Mm -hmm. it. Alshon's going to be an Eagle. And now, it's like I'm scratching my head here since the draft ended. Since the draft ended, it's like everyone, whether they're an Eagles reporter, NFL writer, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, Alshon's not going to be an Eagle. Like, it's nothing. Like, it's going to be so – like, what changed? I, I still look at right. it. Like, I feel like some of those people were saying a year ago or three, four months ago that it was impossible to move him, and now it seems like it's going to be easy as pie. Well, I think timing is everything. If you were asking reporters at the end of the year, like many people were, you know, what's going to become of Alshon Jeffrey? They were going to tell you, well, he's hurt and he's really, really expensive to cut. Mm -hmm. So don't expect like February and March to roll around and Alshon's not on the, on the roster unless something miraculous happens. But I've said for quite a while that I think, I think McMullen in a way is right that he's going to be an Eagle. I think when September starts or at Mm -hmm. the end of training camp, Alshon Jeffrey's going to be an Eagle. Yeah. Uh, but I think at some point when he's healthy and it, remember he has the same Liz Frank injury that Jalen Mills had the year before. And Jalen didn't get back onto the field until I think the either week eight or week nine. So if he's on, I don't know what trajectory Alshon's on. So everybody heals differently, but I, I tend to think he's not going to be ready by August and probably not September. So he's going to have to probably start up training camp on what they call NFI or no, no PUP because it is a football injury. Uh, he'll be on PUP. The season may wind up starting. We'll see what happens. But by that time, Ryan, when, when he starts the season, he, you're already paying him, right? I mean, he's already making some money from the Eagles. So the cap, the, the number goes less and less. If Let's say he's not ready until week six or the trade deadline and you trade him at the deadline. The team that inherits him now only has to pay half that salary for that year. So uh, it becomes a little less cost prohibitive for the team. And plus, even if they trade him, I don't think they're – it's not like the Eagles are getting a second-round pick in return. They're basically saying, we have Alshon Jeffrey. They're probably looking at a team, like I said, that gets beat up at wide receiver or hurt and needs a guy. And they say, oh, you know, conditional sixth, fifth, I don't know, something of that nature. Right. And a, and a deal gets – and the Eagles probably will have to eat some cash too, but – I think by that point, they'll be fine with that. It's going to be interesting to see that play out because if and when Alshon's healthy and the Eagles are, I don't know, 7-1, and one, <laughs> and now <laughs> Alshon's healthy, it's like you know some fans, Jeff, are going to be like, keep him. Let's see what he can do. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think people will be like, hey, there's, I think it will be more interesting if they're like 2-5 and five and he's healthy. True. Right? Because then people will be like, Man, we need Alshon, right? If they're seven and one, I think people will be like, "Dude, trade him, trade him for anything." You know, we're we're good without him. Yeah, that's true. I guess I'm just looking at it from, well, if he's healthy and the Eagles' offense is already, you know, scary, what mm-hmm. if he can make it scarier? I guess is the point. 
Um, it's a good point. If anything, it might be leverage for the Eagles to go when the, if they want to trade him, be like, you know what, we're seven and one. We can just add him right into the pack. We're fine. Right. And uh, and now we want a fourth round pick instead of a fifth or something like that. You know? Yeah. So who knows? I, I think it's hopefully a win win either way. So on the other side of the ball, I just want your thoughts. Same question, but for the secondary, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the secondary? I feel like. If <laughs> if there's no injuries, it's a lot better. But when's the last time we've seen a secondary without any injuries? Um, obviously, having Darius Slay, best corner Jim has had since he got here in, in 2016. And that I, and while Avante Maddox is probably better as a slot, I think I feel more – you feel better about him playing the other cornerback spot as long as Slay is traveling with the other team's number one receiver. Like if you go back to that Green Bay game where Devontae Adams – you know, obviously had a field day against Avante, who had to move from slot to outside in the middle of the game for injuries. Well, if that were fast forwarded till now, you would have Slay covering uh, Devonte Adams no matter where he lines up, and then that would leave a guy like Avante Maddox on, say, Alan Lazard or whoever the number two wide receiver is, and that's a lot better of a matchup. Plus, he probably gets more safety help with Slay able to uh, handle things one on one. So, to me, it's okay, and Nikhil Roby. Coleman has been a very good slot corner the last two years. But if Slay were to get hurt, now you're back to having the same, like, you know, tiny cornerback tandem. You got 5'9 Maddox and a 5'8 Roby Coleman. And, you know, I guess Sidney Jones is the wild card here because if he actually plays well, then maybe he comes in on the outside in, in nickel and dime and, and Avante moves inside, and that's great. But um, obviously we, we need to see Sidney Jones play like something like what he was supposed to be. Yeah, that's that's a position in an area on the Eagles team that is probably the second most uh, looked at right now of question marks with Malcolm Jenkins departing and Jalen Mills moving over now to, to safety. That's what it looks like. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see what happens, but it does look like they've added depth at the very least to both wide receiver and in the secondary. So, Jeff, before I let you go, we're recording this mm-hmm. on Friday, May 1st, and it seems like this report rumor whatever you want to call it has grown a little bit that the eagles could very likely i guess i'll phrase it bring back jason peters is that a good move bad move and what's the implications there for dillard well i think it's a good move if they can bring him back in the right role Uh, i think it's a bad move if they bring him back and just make him the starting left tackle because it would be inconsistent with kind of all of their moves that they've done this offseason to get younger, to rely on their draft picks. You know, I think Andre Dillard needs to be given the chance to start or at least prove that he belongs to start. He needs to get out there. He needs to play. They traded up in the first round for him. I think he's got to be given that opportunity or else how many years of a first round pick are you willing to waste? Um, Jason Peters is still really good, but I think it's very telling Ryan, that he's been out there in free agency for over two and a half months now, right? With March, April, yeah, almost you know, over two months and hasn't gotten the, the contract that he wanted. So in my mind, it's great to bring him back to have depth if he's willing to play, you know, uh, back, back up, which I don't know that he would be willing to do. But I really think you got to go for, forward with uh, Andre Dillard. You put too much into it. Yeah, I I agree with you. And that's what I said on 97.3 earlier today is like, I I just feel like this shows that the Eagles don't believe in Andre Dillard and that 
if they go on with this move, I don't know what the future would look like for, mm-hmm. for Dillard personally and at that position uh, for the Eagles. But nothing's official. Well, I think bringing him back wouldn't. If they brought him back and he's anointed starter from day one, I would agree with you. If they bring him back and say, hey, you know, you're going to have to be a backup. We're giving the job to Dillard. And really none of their offensive linemen, like, have having a NFL experience, right? I mean that. So it's smart to have a veteran offensive lineman with some experience to go in there and play. Because right now you got Jordan Mailata and Matt Pryor and um, you know a couple other guys that they've got there. The two drink kids they drafted. No, no one's actually played an NFL game other than a little bit, a couple of snaps for Matt Pryor. So I, I, if they don't bring in Jason Peters, they still need to bring in a veteran tackle. So they might as well just say, well, that's the veteran tackle we're bringing in, Jason Peters, and he's our backup. Isn't that an impossible mountain to climb for Andre Dillard, though? Like, is Jason Peters really going to come in and come back and just sit on the sideline for a long period of time? I just feel like one bad half, which we've seen Mm -hmm. last year from Dillard, one bad game, and they're going to say, Jason, you're in, and he's going to end up remaining in. It's a good point. Um, I, I think we treat quarterback differently than every other position, right, where we you don't want somebody looking over the starting quarterback's shoulder. You worry about that. In this case, though, with the linemen, if, if this gives Andre Dillard a little kick in the, in the rear end then that he might need, and some people feel like his only issue is, like, the toughness factor and the, the power, the strength, then if Jason Peters being there makes Andre work a little harder, then I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm with you. And it, you're right. It could go one of two ways. It could be the thing that he needs or it could be the, you know, stamp of, of death, I guess, for Andre Dillard's time uh, with the Philadelphia right. Eagles. So, Jeff, I told you 10, 15 minutes and um, I swindled you a little bit longer, but I appreciate your time. Not the first time, right? <laughs> it won't be the last. It won't be I know the last. That. Jeff, just just plug everything you have going on. Listen, the name is Inside the Birds, Inside the Birds podcast, insidethebirds.com for uh, all of our written content from me and Adam and Andrew DiCecco. And uh, on Twitter, we're at Inside the Birds. So all three are, oh, in our YouTube channel. I should yeah. plug that. We had 30,000 views over the over the draft weekend. So we're really appreciative for everybody who's been watching our, our videos, which are separate than our podcast. So it's another way to get Inside the Birds content through our YouTube channel. So please subscribe. Thanks again to Jeff for coming on the episode. Good stuff from him, as always. He's as knowledgeable as it gets with all things Philadelphia Eagles. Like we said, be sure to follow him on Twitter at Jeff Mosher NFL. Subscribe to Inside the Birds, his podcast with Adam Kaplan, if you aren't already. And follow me on Twitter at Ryan973ESPN and The Fix on Twitter at the Fix underscore podcast. Never a dull moment for us Eagles fans regarding all things birds. It's going to be interesting to see how Jalen Hurts plays out, how the wide receiver position plays out, the secondary, and much more. I'm sure there's going to be new stuff to talk about as early as tomorrow. Thanks again for tuning in to Episode 8 of The Fix. Until next time, everyone. Peace.